Uh, John chapter 12 and verse number 1. John 12 and verse number 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There he made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bared what was put therein. And then said Jesus, Let her alone. Against the day of my bearing have she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but with me... Ye have not always. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time we have to be together. And Lord, as we look at the worship of Mary, how extravagant it was, Lord, encourage our hearts as individual believers to worship you with that same attitude, that same love for you. Lord, I pray you encourage our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so the word extravagant, uh, as defined by the dictionary, means spending too much, categorized by spending excessively or wastefully, beyond what is reasonable, extravagant, or unreasonable, uh, unreasonably high in price, high in cost, flamboyant, profusely or extravagantly decorated, decorative, decorated, decorative, or showy. So the idea of going overboard, you've gone right over the side, doing too much. And our text that we just read was about Mary, and she gave a extravagant gift. This was very costly, extremely costly. And some people would say, in our scripture, in our passage, one said it was too much. It was excessive. Mary's gift was too much, they said. But I think in Mary's mind, it was all she, that was the very best she had, and she was going to give it all to the Lord. Now, I think we all agree that we live in a society that is extravagant, or at least lives for extravagancy. We, we like that, the society that we live in. Uh, so this week I was looking at some things, and uh, you know, the average wedding in Canada today costs $29,000, the average. So I was thinking, my daughter's, oh my, that's... Um, anyway, that was depressing this week for me. Uh, but uh, I remember about nine years ago, I took a bunch of boys, at that time I was pastoring Brampton International Baptist Church, I took a bunch of boys from our church, and we went to Barry Youth Conference. And uh, we stayed at a hotel real close there. And during the conference, someone really important, in the world's eyes, got married. It was a prince and soon-to-be princess. Uh, what was, what's their names? Uh, William and Case. I'm sorry, I don't keep up with these people, Okay. Uh, I just, I, and uh, I remember these boys getting up, a couple of them got up, boys, got up really early to watch the ceremony. I'm like, you boys, and I rolled over and went to sleep again. At any rate, that wedding cost $34 million. Now that's extravagant. That's extravagant. 
Uh, I, who here knows of Kim Fook, uh, the, Phil, uh, the Vietnamese girl, you know, got burned in the war. She's not a girl anymore, a lovely lady. Uh, so I went to school with her husband, and I got to know the family pretty well, and I enjoy catching up with her, and we chat and things. And she told me one time, a few years ago now, that she got invited uh, to speak somewhere in the Middle East. I think it was Dubai. I'm pretty sure it was Dubai. She was staying a couple nights. And uh, wherever Kim goes, they take care of it, right? She's the honored guest. She, the, she never gets the bill type of thing, which would be a great way to travel, wouldn't it? But at any rate, uh, she, she's telling me about this amazing room that they put her in. It was like an aquarium. She was totally surrounded by fish. And she, like, her room was inside the aquarium as such. And uh, I did find out about it. It, it. There's a number of them in the world, but there's definitely one in Dubai. And she told me about it and uh, things. And she said it was very extravagant, Pastor Mark, she said. So I went and checked it out. Uh, it costs almost nine grand a night to stay in that room. Uh, I'm like, I can go back home and smell fish. I mean, I don't need to spend $9,000, uh, but at any rate, and then another time, I, actually this happened a few times, I, when we had Sunday night service and things a few years ago, we would drive, go home and go up Airport Road, up to Sandalwood or wherever, and turn to go back to our house, and a couple nights, Sunday nights, I saw this really nice looking Rolls Royce. Now, I'm not a car guy, and since a Rolls Royce, I like Camaros and things like that, but I, I don't know much about Rolls Royce besides it's expensive. Uh, so I was like, oh man, that's a nice car. I saw it a few times. And one night, my brother came to church with us. And on the way home, I was like, oh, Dan, look at that. And he flipped out. He said, that's a Rolls Royce. That's a Phantom Rolls Royce. I'm like, so? I don't know anything about it. And he said, I wrote a, my high school book report on that. And he went on to tell me all about it. He's like, listen, that's worth more than your house. I'm like, no way. And he, he said, yes. And he went on. He spoke about it for a while. So uh, the starting cost for a Phantom. Are you ready? Drum roll. $460,000. $460,000. Now, if you want to go with the lavish version, get prepared to dish out 600000 Now, that's extravagant, right? I mean, that just blows your mind. How could you spend that money? But it's extravagant. Now, when in those contexts, I just used the word extravagant. It was all pretty negative to us, right? $34 million for a wedding. I mean, how many? You have so many weddings for $34 million, right? And then the cost of the hotel room, the cost of the car, all those things are all like, well, that's, that's so much money. And it is. I don't disagree. And we particularly get upset when we see extravagance when... What God has given someone hasn't been used right. If someone's God's blessed them and they're wasting the money. Because sometimes extravagance is waste. There's no doubt about it. Uh, so we get upset about that. But I want to impress upon you the need for us to extravagantly love our Lord. And worship Him extravagantly. You know, no gift is excessive when we give it to Jesus Christ. No gift. There's nothing too much for Him. No expression of love should ever be considered too extravagant to give to Christ. I believe Mary has much to encourage us in this realm of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ like she did. She wasn't perfect, no. She's not a saint, no. But I'm telling you right now, she got this right. She got this right. And it's a good thing for us to glean. We see the cost of her worship. First of all, the cost of her worship. She broke a box of ointment there 
In verse number three, and then Mary, a, uh, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his uh, feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Uh, in uh, Mark chapter 14, it's recorded for us too. And being in the Bethany in the house of Simon the leopard, as he sat at meat, then came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, a spike now very precious. She broke the box and poured it on his head. And we know that the feet was used as well. And the other place it's recorded for us in Scripture is in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 to 13. Now, this ointment was expensive. I mean, it was expensive. Uh, yesterday, uh, we went to uh, Black Creek Pioneer Village, had some fun there, and then I got ambushed, ended up being in Yorkdale Mall. I don't know how that happened. I do know. Food was involved. It was the lure. Come with us, Dad, and we'll give you food. Yes, 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 I'll come. And then we were in Yorkdale Mall for a while, and there was a lot of extravagant things in Yorkdale Mall. Like, I'd be like, oh, man, I'm not even going in that store. I'm afraid I'd knock something over and not won't be able to pay for it. You know, it's just a lot of extravagant things. Not everything there is extravagant, but there's a number of things. Uh, this, this box, this ointment was extravagant. It was extremely expensive. A pence in that era was a daily wage of an average worker. Now, if you're above average, you wouldn't. Below average, it was more than what you would get. So this is pretty much representing, so it was uh, uh, 300 pence, very costly. Uh, and it's mentioned in other portions of Scripture. Uh, the reality is, this represents almost a year's of wages. I mean, this is expensive. This is really expensive. This spikenard, and the reason it was so expensive, it was uh, produced from a very rare plant in India. So just think about where Israel is in comparison to India. So it's not close, right? So that's another part of the expense, getting the transport there. But it's very rare. It was very hard to acquire. Thus, you know, high demand, uh, small amount, price goes up. Uh, so it, and then it gets you, get it from India to uh, that part of the world to cost even more. So people were forced to save for many years because this ointment was used uh, for burial. Okay, this, this was the whole idea. And so people were forced for many years to save, to save, to get enough ointment for their own funeral. Okay, that, that was the whole idea. Now, breaking of the box that we saw in uh, Mark 14, I read that for you, Mark 14, 3, um, there's a couple possible uh, traditions, customs that took place with the breaking of the box. A first one is the breaking of the glass often was involved with that, was when a distinguished person was at your home, if they touched anything, a glass in particular, uh, you broke it because no one else was worthy to use that cup again, uh, that, that a lesser person could not use it. That was part of the custom. So that might have been on Mary's mind. I don't know. Another custom uh, definitely fits in with what's taking place here is the um, preparing the body for, for burial. Now, usually it was done after the person was dead, not before. Okay, but that was definitely part of it. And when you broke that box, when you broke that box, the pieces were put with the body as well. The box was broken. Uh, because you, that fragrance would just permeate everything. Whatever the container, the vessel, would be permeated by that smell, by that ointment. So that was put in with the body as well. Uh, whatever case, whatever tradition she was thinking or custom, one thing we do know is that she wanted to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, did she not? That was her desire. 
She wanted to praise and worship God. Mary gave the very best. That was the very, very best that she possessed. And she gave it to Jesus Christ. Have we given our very, very best? Now, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm not talking about you need to get re-saved. No, that's that's not what I'm talking about at all. Once you're saved, always saved, eternal security. But have you given your best to Jesus as an individual? Have you poured yourself out every drop? Because that's what she did with this, right? She broke the box. She poured it out. She, that's what she did. She poured out everything. Now, I think of Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 6, for now I'm ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Uh, we read through the New Testament, the epistles that Paul wrote, uh, and the records of what he did for the Lord in the book of Acts. And, and that's what Paul did. He poured himself out for Jesus Christ, did he not? He, poured, he was a living sacrifice. His service was for Jesus. We should look at our own lives and say, have we done similar? Now, I'm not suggesting that anyone here in this room will become as Paul and travel around the world. No, God has a plan for your life, though, and we need to be willing to surrender to it and be all into it. It's a point that we need to seriously ponder. Now, our world is pretty mixed up right now, messed up, wicked, uh, and, and we need to make sure as individual believers that we are following Jesus Christ because there is a lot of noise in our world today that will distract us if we don't make that determination. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to do what's right. And, and we need to make sure what's occupying our hearts because something is. Who's occupying it? And only you can make that determination. Who is it? What is it? Now, uh, over time, whoever's occupying your heart will be noticed. If, if the world occupies your heart, if you are uh, slipping away in the sense of you're drifting away from where God would have you to be, it will be noticed. Your actions will de- demonstrate it. But you need to make sure that he has the rightful place in your heart and life. There's no price too great. There's no gift too great, too extravagant for our God. And, you know, you need to be willing to do it. You know, the, she, her, cost, it was, her cost of worship was high and service. And we should have that same desire. The expression of her devotion. You know, so we see that they were at the table, right? And they made them supper, verse number 2. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them and sat at the table with him. So in Christ's day, uh, when you came over for supper, you didn't have the table like we had today. You know, if someone come over to my house for supper today, uh, there would be a table set. You would pull the chairs in. You sit down. You pass the food around. Now, pass the food around the same. doesn't matter what culture you're in. Uh, but it's not a high table like we have today. Just a, just a little bunny trail here, okay? Did your parents ever tell you don't put your elbows on the table? Anybody? Raise your hands. Yeah, okay, I can't tell on Facebook land, but yes. You know why that's a rule? I had a real struggle with this. Why is that a rule? Because back before tables were mass-produced, everybody made their own table, and putting your elbows on the table got you more food. The tables would move. That was rude. But I don't know why we still have that rule today. But anyway. So we didn't have tables. They don't have tables like we have now back then. It was, they, they could have had a uh, wooden platform, but it was low to the ground. 
Okay, it was low to the ground. That's where you, you almost like laying out, uh, you know, kind of in a relaxed position. Uh, your head was closer to the food. Your feet were away from the table. That's a great idea. Stinky feet away from the table. And uh, that's the way you eat. You put your, you know, and sometimes it's just a cloth, put down in the food on top of it. Uh, but you would, in a reclining fashion. So Mary coming to the Lord, standing up, she would be very high over the Lord, but she submits herself, she puts herself, she kneels down to the Lord and anoints his head and his feet with ointment. She is demonstrating once again submission and love for Jesus Christ. By her selfless love and worship, Mary was making a statement concerning who she believed Jesus to be. Okay, you, you didn't just go around anointing people. Okay, that wasn't part of the culture of Israel or the Jewish people. You just didn't go around and say, oh, uh, Arvik, I think I'm going to anoint you today. You know, we didn't, you didn't do that. All right, you, that, that's not part of uh, the day-to-day uh, reality there. There was only four people, four individual, individuals who would get anointed. Kings, kings would get anointed. Second Kings 9.3, priests will get anointed, prophets, 1 Kings 19.16, and the dead, Mark 16.1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. He had passed away. They were coming to anoint him. By her actions of anointing Jesus, I believe she was acknowledging to all that would see some things. She was acknowledging he is king. He is king. Amen? Jesus is king. He absolutely is. It's found in Revelation chapter 19, verse 16. It declares he is king. He is the great high priest. That's in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. He is the prophet. Matthew 13, 31. He was dead, but is alive forevermore. Amen? He's no longer dead. He rose. Uh, but he, she's declaring uh, these things. And Mary believed that what, who Jesus was and her surrender to him, her acts of love and worship demonstrates all those things in her heart that who Jesus was. Her humility. She shows great humility here. Uh, she shows in a couple ways. First, the work that she was doing, this anointing the feet and the head, that was done by slaves. That wasn't done by a friend. So say you came over to my house and, and uh, back in that time and I'm hosting you and you're, or, or whatever the case is, I wouldn't be like, okay, I'm going to anoint your head and your feet now. No, if that was done, it was done by a servant or a slave in the house. She was willing to be seen in public with her hair down. Now, uh, we, we talk about let your hair down. Who hasn't heard that statement? Let your hair down, right? Uh, and in our terminology, that's just relax. It's a, it's a safe place. You can speak your mind type of thing. Okay. Uh, but the reality here is what she was doing, letting her hair down. You did, Jewish women did not let their hair down in public. That, that was totally inappropriate. Uh, it appears that Mary was so uh, focused on serving Jesus Christ, she could care less what other people said. Now, she wasn't doing anything wrong sinfully. Culturally, it was... Ooh, what is she doing? But she was showing her exaggerated or extraordinary love. She was going above a call to worship the Lord. She didn't care what others thought. She didn't care about their gasps, maybe their stares, or their ridicule. 
Not only has she surrendered her, her possessions, her precious possession, she surrendered her pride. I love the Lord. I'm going to do this for Him because I love Him. Her primary focus, her focus at this story, at this point in time, was to serve and honor the Lord. Now, individual believer, time for application for us. Do, is that our focus? Are we surrendered as Mary is surrendered? Uh, are you really kneeling before Him in your life? I'm not talking about a physical kneeling, nothing of that. I'm talking about in your heart, are you desiring to serve Christ like Mary did? Extravagantly. Extraordinarily. When Mary came to the feet of Jesus she and gave all, she was doing everything she possibly could to lift up His name. Lift up His name. You know, this past Thursday, we laid Brother Ian to rest. Now, Saturday, previous, he passed away and he was in the presence of the Lord. He's at rest, amen. He is safe, secure, no more pain, no more cancer. And uh, after our many chats about heaven, he's chasing down a whole lot of people asking questions. Uh, Ian was always the searcher for knowledge. He wanted to know the truth. 93 years old. Actually, this week, he returned 94. He had a wonderful testimony for Jesus Christ. He was surrendered to do whatever the Lord asked him to do when he got saved. He thought for a while that the Lord might call him to ministry. He loved the Word of God. He loved the truth. He loved to proclaim it. He discipled people. and uh, He really thought that the Lord was calling him into the ministry at one point. And he invested thousands of dollars in theological books. This was before the age of getting it online super cheap. All right, He invested thousands and thousands of dollars in theological books. Though he never became a minister, that investment, and it was a sacrifice of money. I'm sure he could have found other things to spend money on. Uh, he, uh, I, I, in my office uh, now, he, I bought off him probably eight years ago a set of pulpit uh, commentaries which probably back in the day would have went for close to $2,000. And he sold it to me much cheaper than that. But that's just one example of the investment he put in, in theological books and, and for training and things. So he sacrificed, he invested, and now those books are going to be passed on to another generation of pastors. Brother Caleb is going to get a bunch of them in New Brunswick to help him as he ministers to people in there. And so that investment, he was railing to surrender goods, and if the Lord called the ministry, he would do that. Uh, but now that investment is going to make an impact in another generation, a generation he could never meet or uh, help or reach. Isn't it amazing? And when we follow God, when we surrender to what he has, it's just amazing how it keeps going forward. It doesn't stop. God's truth continues to march forward, and if we surrender to what He tells us to do, what He has for us to do, we can be part of that marching forward with truth. But it's our decision. We should be grateful for all the Lord has done for us. We should be unashamed in our expression of love for Jesus Christ. Uh, we should uh, allow pride to die so we can humbly serve and worship and, and, and witness for His glory. That He set us free. And it should all be motivated. 
It should be always motivated. I want you to get this point. It should always be motivated because we love Jesus. If you're just doing it because I get up here in the pulpit and talk about it, you're doing it for the wrong reason. What you do for the Lord should be motivated by love for Him. For Him. Uh, let, let's get away from this idea. I've seen it for so long. As, oh, the, the pastor said this. And if, listen, if the pastor's saying the truth, amen, you should follow it. But at the end of the day, you should love Jesus. And that love for Jesus will compel you to serve. Serve the Lord because you love Him. That's what Mary did. That's what she did. Hey, that's what Brother Ian did. He loved the Lord and he served the Lord the best he could. Our love should motivate us. And if we got a problem with love, then we need to check in with the Lord. We need to check with the Lord every day. But if we don't want to serve the Lord as a Christian, we got a major problem and we need to get the problem fixed. And the world's not going to solve it. The world is part of the problem. We need to look to Jesus. We see growth of her worship. Mary appears three times in Scripture as uh, like a essential part of the story three times. She's mentioned other times in the Bible. But there's three times that she's really central to the story. First time is uh, Mar- Martha's working hard, preparing. She's busy. And Mary's at Jesus' feet. All right, that's, where, that was, that's in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38 and 34. She's at Jesus' feet listening to teach. Now, Martha wasn't very happy about that, right? She kind of scolded, and the Lord told her and things, but that, that's the first time. Second time, it was just a couple chapters, well, actually the chapter before, in chapter 10, Lazarus had died, and, she, and Jesus is coming. Mary runs to Jesus, bows at his feet in, in supplication, and... You know, she's weeping, she, she's hurt, she's looking to the Lord for direction. And then the last time we see her is in this text, in the center of the story. And she offers to worship him the best that she could. And again, that's recorded in John, in Mark, and in Matthew. And we see in these occasions, uh, the capacity for her worship grows each time. The first time, in Luke chapter 10, she's learning, right? That's what she's doing. She's sitting at Jesus' feet, and the Lord's teaching. She is learning. She's taking in information. She's taking in the truth. She wants to hear the word. She wants to hear it and soaking it all up. The next time, in John chapter 11, she is leaning on Jesus. I mean, really asking the Lord to help. Help me, help me, help me. I mean, my brother's dead. I need some help. Lord, Lord, help me. Uh, She wants to experience his grace, his works. She's suffering. She needs the Lord's help. Help me, Lord. Help me. So she's listening. Then she's looking to God for help, for his work to help in her life. And here, she's definitely showing love, isn't she not? She's showing love. And she declares that he's worthy of her love. She declares he is a worthy Lord. And again, all this is propelled... Uh, by obviously her love for the Lord, but I think her this expression of love is really coming forward. She raised, the Lord raised her brother back to life. I mean, come on, like that that would dearly, uh, greatly endear you to someone, would it not? You know, you you save someone from a situation. Uh, I mean, I've read stories of where someone saved a, a stranger, and the family takes them in. Oh, thank you, thank you, like part of the family. After that, there's no doubt that that propelled this, but she shows that. Steady progress, the, 
She wants to learn the Word. She wants to lean upon the Lord and, and experience His grace and work in her life and then express her love. That should be a progress, progressive steps in all our lives, not just Mary. All of us should be showing those steps. You know, it's interesting when we look at this story. You know, there's other people here. It's just not Mary and Jesus and Judas. We know Judas is here. There's other people. And there's other people here who experience the Lord's love and His work and His word, and similar to Mary, uh, but they're not worshiping the same. And I'm not laying blame and saying that they were horrible, but they were watching. They were watching. Lazarus, the guy who was dead, now alive, he's sitting there watching what his sister's doing. You kind of wonder, like, why aren't you getting involved over there, Lazarus? He raised you from the dead. Like, come on, man. I'm sure, I'm not saying Lazarus was not ungrateful or anything. I'm not saying any of that. But you would think that in such a situation, hey, we're worshiping the Lord. Now, Simon is not mentioned in this portion of Scripture, but he's mentioned in Mark. Simon the leopard. They're in Simon the leopard's house. Now, he doesn't have leprosy anymore, so it does indicate to us that Simon at one time had some degree of wealth to have his own house. Then he got leprosy, or maybe it was after leprosy, he was able to get work and get a house, so we're not exactly sure. But the Lord, he had been blessed getting his leprosy healed and finding a place to have his own, and then to have them come and dine at his house. And he's just watching. Martha... She's busy serving again, right, in, in chapter 2. And they made him a supper, and Martha served. Again, I'm not upset with Martha. Don't get that idea. But she's seeing all these things happen, and then there's the disciples. The disciples were there. They had seen him do marvelous things. They were called from various positions in life to follow the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Judas Iscariot, he was there. The only one who could save him was Jesus. Just like every other man and woman on the place, face of the earth at that time and today, the only one who could save us is Jesus. But instead, he was finding complaint, finding fault. He wanted the money. He was a thief, or six. He had the bag in his hand. You know, everybody was just looking at Jesus until Judas spoke. Then there's Mary. Instead of watching the Lord... She, she's not holding back. She takes the initiative and she honors the Lord as he deserved. This, this encounter is profound in, the, in showing us her love for Jesus Christ. She bows before him. She did not care what anyone else thought. She didn't care how extravagant the gift was. She was there with open hands. Uh, she was there humbly. She just wanted to serve Jesus. Is that you today? Or are you watching? Are we in the watching column? I hope we're not in the complaining column. I hope we're in the serving column. That we want to serve Christ and see our relationship grow deeper and deeper as you walk with Him day by day, enjoying salvation experiencing his strength for the day, for his, leaning on him for grace and for mercy. We have so many things 
to thank God for. I've actually asked people, have you got anything to thank God for? And if you've got to stand there for a few minutes and think about something, you are totally an ungrateful person. You, you have so much to be thanking God for. Salvation, amen? You know, that's amazing. His grace, amen, that He's helping you each and every day to get things done. He's giving you the strength, uh, His presence. The Lord tells us He'll never leave us nor forsake us. I mean, we could go through the promises. They're ours. We need to thank Him for us. Think of who He is, what He's done. I'll be honest, I, I, there's times when I stop and think, where would I be without Jesus? I'm not talking about Jesus never coming to earth. I'm talking about me never making that decision for Christ. Where would I be? And I'm going to tell you, it's not a place that is pleasant. I don't think I would be in a very good place at all if it wasn't for Jesus. We need to give the Lord the worship He so rightly deserves. When Mary broke that box and poured out that ointment, on the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Everyone there was made aware of, what, of that situation. They experienced the, in the sense of the smell. There was no denying that Mary was giving her all in an effort to honor Jesus Christ. And even those who criticized Mary enjoyed the fragrance of of her sacrifice, did they not? They enjoyed it. Mm, it's nice. Still criticized, but they enjoyed the smell. The fragrance that drifted outside so that the whole house gets about smelled. I wouldn't be surprised the neighborhood smelled it. They enjoyed that fragrance of her sacrifice. You know, when we as individual believers worship the Lord in spirit and in truth... It will hard to, it will find it hard to keep it quiet. It's not easily bent up. It shouldn't be all pent up inside anyway. The fragrance of our worship will be noticed. I, I haven't seen my grandpa since my grandma died back in February. And I've, I've talked to him on the phone things, but, you know, he's watching out. He's 93 uh, years old and things. Actually, 94, sorry. Uh, and... Uh, you know, he's, he's watching out, making sure he doesn't get sick and things. Uh, but I remember so many times going over to my grandpa's house, and he would come over, and my grandpa is a hugger. Oh, man, he loves to hug. All right, and it doesn't matter who you are. You enter his house, be prepared. I've actually brought friends like, okay, dude, watch out. My, my grandpa's going to hug you. He's like, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, he's going to hug you. This is what he does, all right? So he's, he's hugging on people. He loves, that's just who he is and things, and uh, and I remember times as a kid going to my grandpa's house. We live right next door. After I'd come back, and uh, my mom be like, yeah, you're over at grandpa's place, over pop's place, weren't you? Really thought my mom had eyes everywhere at that point. I was like, uh, yeah. How, how'd you know you don't get enough nerve to ask mom? You know, How'd you know? Oh, I could smell it. Grandpa loved that old, cheap cologne. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And I think he used half the bottle every morning, you know. Everywhere. And I came over, he hugged on me. I mean, I smell when I first came to his house, but once you're there, you don't smell anymore, right? You've got to get adjusted. Went home, mom knew. Hey, folks, in your worship, in the way you live, is there a fragrance of Jesus Christ in your life? Do other people 
see it. I'm not saying, I'm not getting mystical, okay, they smell it. No, but they, can they see a difference? No. Yes? I hope they can. I hope they can. It honors the Lord that His people expressed their love in extravagant ways. No gift is too excessive. We should desire to praise the Lord every opportunity we have to lift His name high. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as Michelle comes to play, the question is for you, Christian, have you poured out your life to Jesus? Does the scent of your love for him permeate your life with the sweet fragrance of a relationship with him? Or is there more room? Is there room to grow? We saw the progression in Mary's life. Is there room to grow for you? Where are you? This is not a time to wonder about someone else or to say, well, they could do better. They have such great gifts. No, this is about you. What is motivating you to serve Jesus? The only answer is love for him. Do you love him as you should? Dear Jesus, thank you for this opportunity we've had to be together. And Lord, help us indeed in our worship. Help us to be extravagant in our love for you. Help us to be motivated by love to serve you. That is the proper motivator. Lord, I pray that you encourage our hearts to serve you and serve you well. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.